coming up on Inside the Green Room, my dog, George Niang, joins me and H to discuss how we got to Philly, what's his experience been like, losing money on plane rides, and of course, what we got for the playoffs. Let's get into it. We're back with more Inside the Green Room. Danny Green, Harrison Sanford on the SiriusXM Podcast Network. And if you're watching us, you're going to see us on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Before we get into the show, George Niang is joining us. We have to pay some bills real quick. If you've been watching the show or listening to the show, you know how it goes during the playoffs. We record episodes in between series. We can't have Danny on the microphone while a series is happening. With that being said, on the SiriusXM Podcast Network, I will be hosting shows after each playoff game so we could break down what happened in the game and I could talk a little bit more freely without Danny around. And on mm-hmm. Saturday, I will be on ESPN Radio Game Time Show, 10 p.m. Eastern to 1 a.m. talking about the Sixers game. We'll see what happens. And on SiriusXM, that is Channel 80. With that being said, all the bills are paid. Let's get to the fun stuff. George Niang, appreciate you coming on. What's up? What's up, y'all? Yeah, we appreciate having you, man. Usually, we, we used to play intro music for certain people. We had a uh, was instrumental back in the day, right? H and uh, that was a good would, time. Guys, guys, who used to choose the instrumental that they wanted to come on. I'm glad you had your own sound effects uh, with your entrance, my man. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Yo, yo, what would your walk up song be, Danny? When we did, I think it was in Toronto. It was it. Um, some you can money get man ones. from three. They said the money man from three point land. It, I think it was shook ones. Then we have the shook ones instrumental. I thought we had the shook ones instrumental. That's the one I remember mostly. Was there it something was, you could get light to? No, no. It, it was the shook Dang, ones yeah. instrumental. Instrumental shook ones instrumental. Man, it was a good one. We had different instrumentals up, but I think that might have been my favorite one. Um, George, man, I know you've done a bunch of podcasts. You've talked about yourself quite a bit. You've had these questions multiple times. Give us a little background to how you know your journey of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in uh, Methuen, Massachusetts, about 35 minutes north of uh, the great city of Boston. Um, You know, I went to uh, a boarding school up in New Hampshire called the Tilton School. Uh, I played alongside uh, Nerland's Noel and Wayne Selden, uh, some other pros that have, you know, reached the mountaintop. Uh, Then I took my talents to Ames, Iowa. You know, I never thought I was going to end up there, but that was, you know, some of the best years of my life. Uh, I played four years or three years under Fred Hoiberg, one year under Steve Prohm, um, was lucky enough to have the ball in my hands and they let me shoot pretty much whatever time that I wanted to. And uh, that's what kind of led me to be in the 50th pick to the Indiana Pacers, where uh, that was pretty short lived, one and done. But hey, uh, I learned some of the best lessons. And then I was lucky enough to sign a, 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 what do they call it? A training camp deal with Golden State. Uh, where I was lucky enough to see how Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, all those guys in the Warriors after winning the championship, how they, you know, operated, how they got things done. And, uh, you know, I, I credit that year going down to the G League, coming up with a stable routine that I could, you know, use day in and day out that I still use to this day. And uh, I ended up signing a two-way contract uh, with the Utah Jazz halfway through that year. Um, finished the year with the Jazz. Um, and was lucky enough to sign a, a three-year deal with them where, you know, I, I was able to grow into a rotational piece and uh, make a couple shots here and there, get driven by one too many times. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, I ended up in Philadelphia, you know, where this year has kind of 
been a, a crucial year uh, for my growth and development, not as a, not only as a basketball player, but as a human. Um, and it's something that, uh, you know, I'll definitely cherish and I'm excited for uh, what the playoffs, you know, have in store for us. I'm curious. I, I want to know about your, your times and aims. And I know you have a connection to Tyrese Halliburton. So that's going to lead me to ask you about the trading deadline and things that you might have heard or thought might have been happening. But you just said that Philadelphia made you as a better human. Why is that? Um, you know, I think the fact that having to adjust to everything that comes with being a Philadelphia 76ers, like when you talk about, you know, the, the fan base and, you know, the people and, you know, the organization, um, you know, they care about winning around here. Not to say that other organizations don't, but it's magnified here in Philadelphia. And, you know, if you've ever gotten on the court and, and put on a Sixers uniform, you know uh, what that feels like. Um, but with that being said, I, I think it's made me a better person just with the simple fact that, like, I can only control what I can control. And that's something that not only I can take in my professional life, but bring to my, you know, everyday life. And uh, I can only control my attitude, my effort, and how I treat other people. Anything else, you can leave that up to God or whatever creator you believe in. Because uh, some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. Um, but at the end of the day, you can only do what you do best and do it to the best of your ability. So that's that's probably what I meant um, by that. For sure. What made you, during free agency, what, what was the turning point? What made you choose Philly over other places? I'm sure, as I said, being a solid role player in Utah and being able to knock down shots from three um, and how crafty are they call you, the Swiss Army knife, some people call you. Uh, what made you <laughs> come My to God. Philly? What made you come to Philly? Well, you know, Danny, when they said you were coming back, I was like, done deal. No, I got to get with my guy, DG. No, but uh, you know how free agency is. I mean, you've done it a bunch of times. And it, I'm kind of like raw to like, or or ripe, whatever they would say, to the, you know, the NBA game when it comes to free agency. So obviously I had a solid year in Utah. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to get the bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, so, I'm going to have a lot of options to choose from. But the thing is, is, you know, Playoff time is, you know, what I realized playoff time is the time where, you know, you make your money. You you play well. Teams want you. Recency bias. Like, I don't care what he did during the regular season. What is he doing in the playoffs? I had a solid series in Memphis, and I didn't play that well in the Clippers series, which was like a devastating loss when I was in Utah. And to be honest with you, the phone was ringing, but it wasn't ringing with like, you know, like. As much like, as you expected it to ring. Yeah, exactly. And. You know, it started off slow, and obviously you got to get the big names out of the way first. And then, uh, you know, Philly wasn't even in, like, the the mix, I feel like, to start. And then, uh, you know, I got a call from my agent that said, Doc wants to speak with you. And, you know, basically it's just breaking it down of, like, hey, I want you here. This is how I'm going to use you, this, that, and the other. And no other head coach or even, you know, front office person had called me except for the Sixers. And I knew, you know, Obviously, I don't want to bring up last year because I'm, I'm sure you don't want to have to relive that. But, uh, you know, when we got knocked out, I was like, oh, the, the Sixers are going to walk into this. Like with the mm -hmm. amount of times we play, played you guys twice and, you know, played you here. And I was like, dang, they're, they're a solid group. And so I was like, oh, for sure, they're going to walk into it. So like seeing you guys lose the seventh game, you know, to Atlanta, I was like, oh, man, like this team is hungry to win now, knowing that mm -hmm. they could have won it 
you know, last year. So this is what I want to be a part of. I don't want to go to a rebuild. I don't want to go to a team that's just like, uh, I want to go to a team where, you know, winning is valued. And, you know, I, I have a relationship with, with the coach and, you know, um, you know, doc reached out and, you know, told me things that, you know, how he was going to use me. And, and that was, uh, pretty much, you know, a, a done, a done deal for me once that happened. George, you said that uh, you can't control uh, what other things that happen. And there's so much more to talk about, but since you gave me the layup, I got to take it. You cannot control what Matisse Thibel decides to do as it pertains to getting vaccinated, going into a series now against the Toronto Raptors, which we will talk about. What are the vibes surrounding the team without one of your better defensive players not able to play for the road games? You know, I'm going to put it like this. Um, you know, and DG, you can, you can chime in whenever mm-hmm. you feel like it. But this year has kind of been a peculiar year. I mean, I remember coming in and asking you, like, hey, DG, like, you think Ben is going to come back? And it's like his answer all the time was like, man, I don't know, pimp. I don't know, <laughs> man. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how – We'll see how this goes. I, I don't know. And we kind of just had this motto uh, during the year. It's like, all right, well, we're going to play with who's in the locker room. I mean, that, that's that's just how we're going to do it. Like, if, if it's your turn to start, if it's your turn to play 30 minutes off the bench because someone isn't available, like, that's just how it's going to happen. And um, I feel like that's kind of how we attack this year. Obviously, it's unfortunate we're going to miss Matisse um, in Toronto. But uh, I'll never – you know, out one of my teammates or make them feel uncomfortable for something that's their, you know, personal decision that makes them comfortable. And uh, to be honest, it's unfortunate that we, you know, we live in a world where someone's medical history or, you know, things that they choose to put in their body is made public. I mean, I I mean, obviously it comes with the territory, but that stinks, you know, because there's, you know, ways that, you know, could have been, uh, you know, avoided, like people shouldn't know what other people's personal medical businesses. And um, I, I feel bad that, that it had, it's come to that, but um, at the end of the day, you know, rules are rules. It's not just basketball. It's, it's a whole country. So, you know, we have to abide by those rules just like other citizens. So um, it is what it is. And, uh, I, you know, I, I respect Matisse's decision because it's his decision. And I know, knowing me, knowing him, I know he's put a lot of time and thought into, uh, this decision. Yeah. I think we all, I agree. We all respect and understand, you know, why, you know, his decisions are what they are. He's a very well-read kid. He understands he's smart. Um, you know, he has his own morals, values, and his family goes, um, they raise him in a different way, um, different type of household. Um, so, you know, that's his decision. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. And I don't think he is something that he could predict, you know, when we spoke about it, because I gave him a heads up, like, like maybe a couple months ago, maybe two months ago, a month ago, you know, Matisse playoffs is coming up, man. Um, you know, if we play Toronto, you know, we're going to need you. And I think in his mind was like, you know, it was like a 20% chance that happens type of thing. Um, so yeah, Toronto was like in the ninth spot or something. Yeah. It was like, he was like, it's a 20% chance that happens. Um, given the fact that he didn't predict that would happen. I think if you knew ahead of time and he had more time, maybe his decision might've been different. Um, you'd have to ask him, don't quote me on that. But I think the fact that he thought it was a very slim chance and it just happened to just so happened to turn out or pan out that way that we played them the first round. Now he's like, damn, you know, maybe he thought like, maybe I wish I would have or I could have, 
Um, if it came down to sacrificing that for the good of the team, I said, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But I, that was my understanding of it. Um, is that he just didn't think that it was going to happen that way and that he would be safe to play whoever it was we played. And he didn't think we'd end up playing Toronto. But we all respect his decision. We understand where, where he stands with this. And um, said he believes in us. We believe in us. We think we can still kind of get the job done. At least we have him at home for the first two games. On the road, it's going to be tougher. We have lower, less bodies, but, you know, we're going to have to take care of business. No, nothing different than we've had all year where we've had guys out for COVID, guys out for injuries, um, and just guys that just were out. Um, so we just have to adapt and adjust and, and figure out ways to, to get wins. Um, but that reminds me, it wants me to circle back to um, the question I have for you, George. Um, I know you came in during free agency looking at this team like, oh, it's a you know championship caliber contending team. What was it like coming into the situation knowing, or obviously you assumed that everybody's playing, but once you got here, knowing that it was very up in the air and one of the star players did not want to play, how did you deal with that? Man, walking into that, uh, that was like, like, what the heck? Because you know me, I was like, I'm talkative, I'm approachable, but like, I was probably bothering the heck out of you because I was asking questions like, yo, DG, like, you think everybody's going to be here? Like, yo, you think? And I got the same answer from you every day. I don't know, pimp. I don't, I don't know, man. And it was... Cause you know, you come here like at the end of the day, like I came here to play with, you know, a big man that like draws a double team because that makes my life easier. You know what I mean? Space the floor for him, help him out. And then to play with a, you know, a point guard that wanted to pass. Like I was like, this doesn't get any better. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you talk about four men and like spacing the floor. Like I was looking at the roster, like, wait a second. Like I'm the only four man, like it, it's Tobias at the four. And you know what I mean? Me at the, backup for like what like this is a match made in heaven you know what i mean mm -hmm. so then i remember we're playing pickup and nobody's there it's like joel <laughs> it's like me you uh, a bunch of the g league guys a couple two-way guys and i'm like man it's it's hard to score and pickup and if you don't have nobody <laughs> like creating shots for you like and then i was thinking to myself like like how are we gonna be this year like you know seth had seth was uh busy during the summer so he wasn't there and like, you know, Ferk wasn't there. And I think Tyrese was, was coming along. He looked solid, but you just didn't know what the pieces were like. So the first couple of weeks before training camp, I'm like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. And then we get into training camp and the second unit was better than the first unit. Like yeah. <laughs> for sometimes. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? Like, are, are we about to be above 500? Like, What's going on? And then we start off the year. I think we lose to like the Knicks by 20. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, this is, this is about to be a long year. And then we run <laughs> off seven, seven in a row and, and, and start, you know, pushing. Then COVID hits us. And then we rattle off, you know, another like seven, eight game winning streak. Um, obviously, I was, I was a little taken back by, you know, I call it the drama, but it's just like what was going on. And I was a little pissed because, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, like, he's been compensated, right? Like, he's got paid. Like, you you come to teams to win and then get compensated, right? So it's like, dude, you already got taken care of. Like, what what is what could the problem be? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, you why, why can't you just go out there and be a part of the team? And 
help this team win. So, you know, like the NBA is a brotherhood so that everybody can get taken care of. You know what I mean? Mind like you, haven't, you hadn't met him at, yeah, mind you hadn't met him at this point. So you didn't know him well enough either. So like no, that I, had to be awkward. I didn't yeah. Yeah. I'm then like you hearing like this dude don't want to be here. So I didn't see him at all until that one day where he showed up and like DG, like I kid you not, like I could not practice because like I just like kept looking at him like like what is he about to do? Because you hear all this stuff like obviously you come home and watch on TV you're like he says he's not practicing, not playing, not doing nothing. Da da da. And you're like, ah, I, I want to see this. Da, like, <laughs> let me see that. And then you know all the antics that happen, and then like between like the team meeting, between like him getting kicked out of practice. And then you got all your friends, like everybody in the NBA calling you like, hey, yo, is it really like that? So it's like for a part of you wants to be ready for training camp, but a part of you is like, what I'm about to tell my, what's, what he about to do? I can't wait to tell my homeboys when I get out of here. This is about <laughs> to be good today. And then like, it, it was just like a, a, a big three-day blur until it was like, you know, and then like the awkward part is like, we'd be halfway through the year and like you come in late night to get shots and he'd be in there getting shots. It's like, how is this working <laughs> yeah no um i, I said I, it was a bit disappointing for me as being teammates with him uh previous year and it's like coming back i think we all came into a situation like oh we have this and this i know what we can like i know who i'm playing with i know what i'm able to do and i think it was a bit frustrating as the year went along like all right you know, i got a career high in attempts last year from beyond the arc and i got like a third of those this year so it was it was a big difference in our flow of offense. Then went from starting to not starting, not playing, changing up. We have less defenders now. Um, so it, it was it was frustrating, man, a little disappointing because it's like, you know what? I know I could play well with Ben and Joel. I know I could play. I can thrive. I know I can do this. And I'm sure you came in thinking, like, I could play well with those guys. I'll do a space the floor and knock down shots. Ben is going to push the, push the pace. He's going to kick it ahead. And he's going to draw double teams by his, you know, his speed and getting to the basket. And Joel's going to draw double teams by his post-ups. We have those two guys. You know, you have nothing but shooters around you. Our job is easy. Um, when that doesn't happen, then you're like, man, you know, what's going on? And Ben was a very uh, unique talent, and he was great. You know, he was good. It was, it was good to play with him. He made the game easier. Um, but him sitting out what, what made it a lot tougher. It made it very frustrating throughout the year. Um, but, you know, finally, said you said the drama ended. We made the trades. The things happened, and we got James. Um, so when that happened, I'm wondering what your thoughts were when we got James about him before you got a chance to be a teammate with him. And now that you've been, been teammates with him. You know, that's funny because when we played them in like uh, against them in Houston, like, you know, you hear all the stories about, you know, blase, blase, you know, what he does in his private life and then like mm -hmm. how he is on the court. And then, you know, you meet him in person and it, like he kind of brought like a new energy to us. Like, you know, when he first like it was like, all right, we know who we're going to battle with. Like and then they're like, all right, he's not going to play the first two games. You're like what like before all star break he's we played milwaukee like he's not he's not playing and they're like no nah. and i'm like man what the he what the heck is this man i thought the reinforcements are coming in but obviously he had his uh you know hamstring thing that he had to take care of and then when you know we got back from all-star break it was like we knew who we had you know obviously we had to get the kinks out with the offense um but for me it was it was great. I mean, I, I, I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. I knew he could pass, but the amount of threes that, you know, he's gotten me just by me setting early drag screens or, you know, coming, yeah, bringing my guy to him and having 
him double team James and me get open shots. It's, it's been great for me. And, you know, I, I've really enjoyed playing alongside him. And um, I think as a person, you know, James is a, a really giving person and he, uh, he cares. Um, I just think, you know, he has a persona and an attitude on the court that probably shows otherwise, um, <laughs> you know, with how, you know, he's, he doesn't care what other people think. And he's going to go out there and be who he wants to be. And um, I think that's uniquely made him him and why he's, you know, a best, you know, 75 uh, in the top 75 of all time. I think that's what took me by surprise most about him um, was the fact that, you know, you hear all the stories about, oh, he's always out. He has a nightlife. He doesn't work out like that. He just loves the party. And when you see him come in, the guy's overworking. And I'm like, you know, he probably needs to save some for tomorrow. Like, you know, we have a game tomorrow. No, he's for sure. running stairs and doing stadiums and doing sled pulls. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, you need to shut So he does extra work and shoot arounds. So he does extra work when his practices. He gets his own individual work in. And the fact that said, he really doesn't go out like that, but he is giving and caring. And, and he likes to have fun. And he said he brought a different energy to us when he first came to us. Um, and he's making the game a lot easier for us. Um, you know, obviously he has his days and has his games where guys are like, you know, he has to play better or shoot better. Either way, he's still a presence out there and it's better than not having one. Um, and, you know, he draws a lot of attention. And I, that, that's been a big plus for us. And I said, the biggest thing for me was I've been able to do it the last couple of games, but early on, I didn't get a lot of minutes on the road with him. So, you know, trying to get the minutes on the court with him just to see what it would be like, how to open spots were, how to feel would be. And then obviously, you know, switching with him defensively, things like that, just having some more some more minutes on the court with him. Um, would have made it easier for when, as last couple games have happened, it, it's, I've been able to see now, like, all right, we know where we're going to get our spots, we're picking, but rotations have been so different, um, it's hard to tell, you know, some nights you'll play, yeah. you know, 15, some nights you'll play 25, 30, um, but hopefully said come down to these, obviously these playoff series, we'll kind of know, um, but yeah, James has been the opposite of what a lot of people have said about him and talked about him, you know, off the court and his lifestyle and, and how he works. He definitely does put the work in and uh, he does like to have fun. He does like to be on the plane and be with the team and, and do a lot of team things. If, <laughs> if James, if James is the team player that you says that you say he is Danny and George, eventually mm. he'll have to come on the pod, which leads me to uh, Mr. Niang having his own pod, The Big Niang Theory. And if you're wondering why he's such a great orator, storyteller, that is part of the reason why we tried to, we were attempting to have a live show in Philadelphia, the last game of the season, but the NBA wasn't friends with us. They scheduled the game way too late to do a live show. When George was in LA, I had informally asked him if he would join us. So happy you're here with us now. Speaking of live shows, we did one in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, George, you've probably seen that on Danny's Instagram. George, I did. And please, Why was please I tell me, <laughs> please, <laughs> please tell me that Danny was a little bit swaggerific, braggadocious, whatever Ooh. type of adjective you like to use when he came into the locker room with the ring this past week. Did he, did he show off? Please if we would have won, that. maybe, but we lost. So it was harder to go in the locker room with the swaggerific, braggadocious words that you used. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was good to be there. It was good to show it off. Joel liked it. Joel, you know, he loved it. He looked at it. A couple guys got a chance to, to uh, check it out. And um, I think it was good to have that in there, give a little extra motivation of what, you know, what the goal is. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, George, go ahead. Give your take on it before I interrupt. I didn't mean to interrupt, but give your take. You know, it, it's cool because um... – 
you know, Danny's had a pretty decorated career, right? You know, he's been to San Antonio. He's been in Cleveland and San Antonio, Toronto, you know, the Lakers, and now here. And, uh, you know, when you win a championship, it's it's a small fraternity, right? I, I don't know. I'm not a part of it. But Danny's been a part of three different teams. And, uh, you know, I've, I've teased Danny before, like you are, you're a leader, like you, you have won a, you have won championships and to see like his impact, you know, on that team, just throw like how they embraced him, how they, you know, were so happy to have him back. So happy to give, you know, um, him his ring. And then to see the, the highlight video, you know, of you just making big shot after big shot. And it's like, Oh, I remember watching that. I was at a, you know, a bar in, you know, Cabo when you hit that shot. And it's like, it's crazy to think. And I feel like we talked about this, you know, before in the, um, in the off season, Danny is like how much or how little your body has had to rest with how many championships runs you've made. And, you know, that's the unique part of you on this team is you're one guy that's been there so many times. And uh, I think it's so cool that we got to see another, you don't really get to see it often, but we got to see another city um, embrace you, you know, praise you, um, even though it was five years after or however long it was. Um, I, I thought that was really cool because, you know, there's a lot of things that you've done in your career that, you know, people may not remember because there's a lot of recency bias, COVID. But uh, it made me, like, go back to, like, you know, basketball reference. I'm like, damn, like. What was Danny averaging back, you know, and he was doing this? Like, this dude was really, this dude was really killing. You know what I mean? And like, I think it's it's so cool that we got to see a, a small piece of that in Toronto. Um, and the fact that, you know, you got to have a ring, but that outfit that you wore, you can't get away with wearing that. I don't care how many. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like the jacket. Everybody's calling me Mike MJ, Michael Jackson jacket. It's a special jacket for tonight. <laughs> It's a special jacket for a special night. But, uh, yeah, man, it was a hell of a night, man. They showed a lot of love. The live pod was dope. When we do the next live pod, you will be invited, G. We appreciate you coming on. We know you do have influence in our locker room as well. So you can talk to other guys and get them to come on the pod. We might have – we had Joel last year, but we had Tobias before. It took us a couple years to get Tobias. Um, but James is the next three target. Which and I, half, three and a half years to get Tobias on the show. It took us a while to get Tobias. But now he's wow, our biggest advocate. He's now he's our biggest advocate. He's like, George, you got to get on. You know, James, you got to get on. So Tobias, even though it took him a long time, because he, he lives in my backyard, he's, you know, we're in the same neighborhood. We're going back in Long Island. We're right yeah. there. So, and he was just, you know, Tobias was big time on us for a little while, but he, he's my dog he now. He's my the, brother. He didn't see the vision. He didn't yeah. see the vision. <laughs> it's my dog now. So he's my brother. And now he hooks it up. He's like, yo, he, his crumble, he advertises, he advertises my podcast, George's podcast. He's a, he's a great team player now. Um, so, yeah. We appreciate you coming on, man. We appreciate you uh, showing love. And hopefully the, the next real live pod will have you there. But it was a, it was a great energy, and I, and a great time in Toronto, with the live pod. And I and I could tell he would be an elite uh, live podcast. This is what, almost why I'd even want him to have one for this one, because I know he'd be a great live podcast guest. Because I look at his Instagram feed, and every Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday <laughs> Saturday, Please Sunday. Explain. What? <laughs> We got to know, Yo, we want to know, funny, the people want to know where it came from and how it came about. The people in the green room want to know, all right, they're going to get yeah. answers, all right? <laughs> um, so there's uh, this media group that I work for, Torch Pro. You know, they just started. 
in the beginning of, at the end of the summer they're like hey you know you signed in philadelphia we would love to like get an inside look of what the day in the life of george was so they got to see like the first episode was me with my grandmother her making you know eggs for me before i go work out and you know basically like telling them like i never thought george was gonna make it like ha he he ha ha like just a s- small thing like that and there was a guy named danny funny for your name say <laughs> that uh runs um a column called the morning blitz you know where he basically goes over all of professional sports with like this quick newsletter that gets sent out over email and he happened to go to the red sox game um you know, I think it was the night before where they won a big playoff series, uh, playoff game. And, you know, he got pretty rowdy and the next day was Friday. And he was like, basically put out a, put out like the song, like, you know, it's Friday. Like he just put mm-hmm. that out. And, but it was all like videos of him, like yelling, screaming, like dumping beer on his chest, like throwing popcorn at the other team's guys in the bullpen. And, and it was like, someone commented on it and was like go like or they, they were like oh here here the game on the weekend is what is something and then someone commented on it, like go weekend go and i was sitting there on my phone like listen to it, and i was like go weekend go this is genius <laughs> and, and i was like she like who doesn't love the weekend like who doesn't want to cheer on the weekend like i know when i'm working out in the summer i'm like you know, I'm not going to drink on Wednesday, I'm drink on Thursday, but I can't wait till Friday. So I'm cheering on the weekend, like, go, go weekend, go. And, and it just kind of like took off. And it's just kind of like my vibe. Like, Danny, you know, like, I really don't care. Like, I say outlandish stuff. I say wild things where you're like, yo, did you really just say that? I'm like, yeah, I think I did just say that. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of just like I, I, my mom always says all the time, he's like, George, you like, get excited about the off factor. Like you'll say whatever just to see if it will be like, oh my God, he said that. And so it's <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things like, all right, what is going to be on the go weekend go, you know, this week? And it may, it's usually Joel Duncan or Danny getting a chase down block or a, a made three from me because it has to be about me because everything has to be about me. Like <laughs> Tyrese, if I want to be, James. if I want to be surrounded by greatness, I'll just put a mirror up. What, right? Is that what Kanye said or <laughs> just put a mirror no, but, up. No, <laughs> seriously. It was just one of those things where, you know, I just have fun with it. I think it'd be good to see, you know, how people react to, you know, me, how I feel about the weekend. And then it kind of just took off from there. It's dope, That's man. Fire. I think we all, it puts us all in a great mood. Honestly, between that and the Sixers song when we win, those are two favorite chimes I like to hear, man, in that arena. So when they when they put the, they put it on in the arena, the jumbotron, I'm like, up oh, this job. Everybody looks at George. It's yeah. Friday, and, and I get of course, in my bag. Ten, nine, eight, seventy. So yeah, everybody. I, two favorite gems. Of I'm curious of the building. I'm curious. I'm curious though. So I know the vibes. I know the vibes in the locker room. I could tell them already. I could tell that I could see the vibes on the court, but the one thing that the fans cannot see are the vibes on the plane. Mm-hmm. Now I know the rule: snitches get stitches. So you know, I haven't really said too much about it. However, one Mr. Tobias Harris has opened the floodgates, so now I might as well talk about it as much as I can lead into it. He said that Mr. Tyrese Maxey uh, is very bold on the plane when it comes to friendly wagers. Now that we're here, now that it's open, Tobias opened the door, guys. You're not the first ones to talk about it. 
Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about one Tyrese Maxey? Well, I, I quit, so I gave up. Those guys ran me up the table. <laughs> they ran me up the table. It was a bad flight. And the rule is you have to stay. No matter how bad the flight is going, you have to keep playing until we land. So I couldn't quit halfway through. So Ooh. it was bad. Tyrese was winning quite a bit. Tyrese wins quite a bit. He is kind of bold, but he also he, he wins quite a bit. I don't know where he's at right now, uh, but he is a risk taker. Um, he understands the game pretty well. George is actually a genius on the card table. He's a card shark. Him, James, and Joel. Um, it's, it's, it's the worst when you lose money to James and Joel because they make the most money on the team. It's like... Yeah, they the should be man? donating to us. Like, That's what is nuts. this? Like, I'm hanging out with you. You know how people in, like, fraternities and sororities, you pay to be a part of it? Like, <laughs> they should be paying us to be a part of the card game. <laughs> it's nuts. I hate we losing. We should get paid to be a part of the, of the card fraternity. Yeah. Tobias is still working his way up, but said George is a car shark. James Doyle know the game very well. I don't mind losing money to Tyrese and George. Uh, I don't mind. I do mind losing money to the big other big three, the big three guys at the max guys, because it makes no damn sense. But I'm a type of guy. I know when I need to fold my cards and it's like, all right, if I'm having a bad day on the table and I know it's bad luck day, I fold it and go home. But I can't do that when you're in the air because then there's a vote. And it's like, first of all, you have to keep going. You have to play the whole flight. And then they go up even more money. And it's like, oh, everybody put $200 in the pot today. Then you got to join in. And it's five to one. And I'm like, no, fuck it. No, I don't want to do that. I want to just keep my money. I don't want to make the pot go higher. They're like, we'll cut you a deal. That doesn't mean anything. You're still going to make me lose more money. And they keep going up. $300 a pot, $500. I'm like, yo, what do you, you guys want to take everything from me? Do you want my contract too? So they ran me off the table. I'm not not going back. And Joel's like, come on, just come back. We'll only do short flights. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. I don't need to. Yo, so next flight, Danny gets on the flight and literally, you know, those, you know, those things that go around your eyes that help you sleep. <laughs> we start flying. I go, I go to sleep. That thing over his eyes. And he's like, no, I'm not tempting myself. I'm not tempting myself, right? 20 minutes into the flight, Danny, thing above his eyes, looking over his shoulder to see what cards Tobias got. I mean, just I just check out the game, see who's up, who's winning. Sap took my place. So I asked with Sap, Sap, you up? You know what I'm saying? Because if he took my place, I want to know what kind of cards he's getting. You're getting. Are you hot? And you're hot? So like, ah, I made a little bit or I lost a little bit. Tobias is like, you know, Tobias got the hot hand. I'm like, cool. All right. Tyrese is like, all right, I'm in your seat right now, Dan. I'm, I'm losing right now. So, all right. I don't feel bad because that seat was a shitty seat. So, <laughs> yo, you know, it's funniest, funniest story, though, because Tobias is an ambassador for Crumble Cookie. So he makes sure to bring crumble cookies to the plane, right? So I'll try to make this story like as short and straight to the point as I can. So Danny has sat out now and, you know, so he's sitting back there, not really paying attention. Crumble cookies are there. We take off, you know, and we land and the money has, what you have to ante up to play in each hand has substantially gone up since Danny has left, right? So now you have to ante up probably five times more than what you originally anteed up to play in the card game. And Danny finds this out while we're on the bus, right? <laughs> Danny his head back on the bus. He was like, damn, George, like, <laughs> I didn't know the cookies that Tobias had, you know, had THC in them. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, the cookies, the cookies that you ate, like, they must have had THC in them. I'm like, 
No, they didn't. Why would they have THC in them? <laughs> THC in them? And he's like, because for that amount of money, I know all of you must have been high gambling <laughs> that much money. Oh, oh my God. I lost like, my mind. I wake up with $500 a hand. I'm like, y'all, y'all eating weed cookies? What's going on? What's going on here? <laughs> they they got to have weed cookies in them. Y'all high as shit. So I'm also $500, five times as much as what we played for. I'm like, y'all. <laughs> I ain't no weed these cookies. Oh. Y'all gotta be high. <laughs> Fucking, oh it, it's just they're, they're looping people in to be addicts. It's Joel and James looping people in. George is a delinquent too, but Tyrese was very moderate. Tobias was on my level, and now he's off the charts. And I, I'm glad I removed myself from the table. Oh but it's, Danny it's all always fun takes, games. Danny, Danny always takes stuff to the extreme. It, it, it's a, <laughs> it's a friendly game. But let me it tell is. you this: if you're losing. It ain't so friendly. Like there was one time Tyrese won a big pot and my money was in there and he took the money and put it up to us. And it was like, hello? Hello? Oh, I was like, man, what the heck? He was man? pissed. It, oh. It's not fun when you lose it. It's good camaraderie. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's like when it was small pots, it's good camaraderie, you know, but it's something when it gets big pots, it's, it gets kind of serious and intense, but it, it stays within the family. So that's the best thing about it. So it's it's been cool. I I absolutely love, love hearing this. And I think Sixers fans are going to love hearing this because I don't know how much you guys monitor Sixers Twitter, but there's a lot of anxiety right now. They, they feel as if there's negative vibes. And I'm just going to tell you why there's negative vibes with Sixers Twitter. And you could just respond how you like to. Uh, Sixers Twitter is not happy with Doc Rivers and his seeming, uh, how would I say this, unwillingness to play Paul Reed. And obviously there is the factor that you guys could have been the three seed and played a weaker Bulls team to the most people's opinion. And now you're ending up playing against the Toronto Raptors, obviously without Thibault for the road games and the Raptors, obviously every Sixers fan knows very well because of what happened in the 2019 playoffs, the Kawhi shot, yada, yada, yada. I've told you why there are bad vibes on Sixers Twitter. I I will chime in on this conversation. This conversation has given me that, there's good vibes going on within the locker room. What are your responses to, to, to the vibe perceivers? Always good vibes, man. We always keep it good vibes, regardless of what's happening. Um, when it comes to three and four seed, I think everything happens for a reason. It turned out the way it should have for us um, to where I think we might have gotten out of, not saying these series, it's all playoffs, all series are tough, but we gotten out of fighting against the, the Brooklyn, um, you know, if we were two or three seed. Or, or even in the second round, if say we do make it past the first round, you know, facing one of those Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Milwaukee teams, like you said, H. Boston. Um, mm-hmm. And Boston. So um, those are some tough teams. Not saying that Toronto isn't. And then if we do get to the first round, second round, we got Miami, Atlanta. Those are two tough teams as well. Um, but I think, you know, we just want to be healthy. Obviously, there's some games we could have won even regular, like th- throughout the season when we were healthy. Obviously, Detroit hurt us losing that game. Um Losing in Toronto hurt us. Um, but, you know, I think it all happened for a reason. I think this is, regardless of who we play, we want to play the better teams to prepare for the next team. Why would we not want to play Toronto? Like, why would we want to play an easy team to not be prepared for the next team? I think Toronto's a perfect starter for us. You know, to if we want to be champions, we're going to have to play Miami or Atlanta, which is going to be an even better team, and we're going to be prepared for that. We play a weaker team, like everybody says. We're not going to be prepared for the next team that we play in the second round, which could hurt us. And I've been in series like that. I've been in series where we swept the first two rounds. And then the third round was a hell of a – we lost to, to OKC because um, we weren't really tested the way we should have been tested. Um, 
so yeah, and, and then Doc with the Paul Reed thing. Paul Reed is great, and he's still young talent, up and coming. Um, but you know, he's got to wait his time. He's got to understand certain things. He's still coming along. Um, I think we could experiment it more throughout the season where he'd be more ready for this time now. But DeAndre's been great for us. Sap has been great for us. Those guys are veterans. They have experience. You can trust that better or trust that more now than, you know, you have a younger guy. But Paul Reed has shown that he is very capable. And if we need him to give us minutes, he, he will. And I think Doc is going to make the right call when it's when it's deemed necessary. Yeah. And I mean, just to talk about the playoff, um, you know, situation, you know, you, you can't duck anybody. And people have to understand the playoffs are totally different than the regular season. Like the teams that, you know, were cupcakes or you felt like we're easy in the regular season, end up giving you a fight uh, in the playoffs. Like playoffs is everybody's watching, you know, everybody knows your tendencies. You're playing the same team over and over again. They once, all it takes is one time for them to figure you out. And that could be the demise of your whole season. So you don't want to be, you know, trying to play duck and dodge, you know, last games of seeing who you want to play. Um, you just want to go out there and win as many games as you can and, you know, let the chips fall as they may. And, you know, we're going to have to beat a tough Toronto team. And, you know, that's what's on my mind right now. And whoever we see in the second round, that's who we're going to have to beat. And, you know, if we continue to move on and the Eastern Conference Finals and then the Finals, they're all going to be really good teams and they're all going to be tough tests. They all have different challenges with each, each sure. team. So, you know, we're going to have to, you know – go out there and beat these other teams. They're not just going to let us win. Four um, times. But it's the not Paul easy. Reed, we got to buckle up. Yeah, no, it's – it's a, you got to win four games, first to four. But in the uh, Paul, Reed, Paul Reed situation, you know, this is the NBA. Like, things aren't given to you and opportunities, you know, aren't just handed out, you know. <laughs> Paul Reed had to go out there and, and take his opportunity. I mean, it is what it is. Not, nobody was just going to go out there and hand him Something. And uh, what I was told in the NBA is when I first got here is you're going to be given opportunities, whether you're ready for it or not is totally on you. And Paul Reed recently has answered the bell and he's done a great job. Is that Doc's fault? No. I mean, Doc has a, you know, a job that he is focused on and he thought, you know, or he thinks going forward, you know, before it was best that he played other guys and he did. But when he gave Paul Reed his opportunity, he knocked it out the park. And that's what your job to do as a player is to make it difficult on the coach to not play you. And you know what I mean? Paul Reed did a great job um, the other night and credit to him. He's worked his tail off to get to this point. He took advantage of his opportunity. It happens all the time in the NBA. You know, nobody's perfect. And he did a great job and he got rewarded for it. For sure. And it was, it's not the first time he's got opportunities. Like I said, it's something you have to earn. And he's gotten opportunities in the past. I'm sure Doc was just like he wasn't trusting in it at that time. Um, he said he's still very young. Um, he has a lot of time ahead of him, but he, he's shown growth. Um, but said this doc has made decisions where he had other people that he had to, he thought in certain lineups would be better for us. Um, but big shout out to Paul Reed. He's come a long way. He's, he's done very well. Um, he's starting to understand it. he's starting to grow. Um, but he said, nothing is given to you and they're not going to just give it to you because Twitter says so, or people complain on, on the yeah, social media. Like, cool. so like, we appreciate your comments on Twitter. We appreciate the banter and all that, but that is not going to change Doc's <laughs> values or views or ways that he he coaches, and it's not the way we, it's not going to change the way we play. Um, and he's like, he's been pretty successful at it. We've been pretty successful at it, so we're going to continue to do what we do. 
Um, but I said, we're all big fans of Paul Reed. We just think he, you know, he has to, you know, figure out a couple of things. And I think he's starting to now and he'll be definitely a plus for us, you know, moving forward. We're going to, according to Doc's post-game press conference after uh, that last game against the Pistons, it would be, it would seem as if Paul Reed is going to play when you guys play against smaller teams. The Raptors are a smaller team. George, I know you probably want to get out of here soon. So let me just evaluate how I see the Raptors Sixers series. Get your opinion, then we can get up out of here. The Raptors are very long, very athletic. They are stacked with a lot of two-way players and an innovative head coach. I think the top-line talent that this that you guys have between Joel and Harden uh, are very difficult. Well, they actually have the personnel for Harden, but I don't think they have the personnel for Joel Embiid. I don't know how it's going to map out. I want to say that you guys are going to win because you have home court advantage. But Danny, I remember being at Wells Fargo Center last year, and it did not feel like Wells Fargo had an advantage. You guys had an advantage because there was a tenseness in the arena. There was a, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put into words, but it did not feel like the home court advantage that I have known the Philadelphia fans to be. And I think that a lot of that was because what was happening with Ben Simmons. I can't call it right now, but I think you guys are in for a hell of a battle. I do think if you win, you have a great chance to get to the finals. But this series right here, from a matchup standpoint, is very difficult. And I think, and, and to Danny's point, that's probably a good thing. For sure. And I think it also, I said, like George said, the playoffs is, is no easy cakewalk and teams know each other well. It, it's, at this point, it's about also making the adjustments. Um, Obviously, people know James, people know Joel. How are they going to adjust? How is our team going to adjust? What is our coach staff going to adjust to uh, to be able to beat a team four times? What are we going to change? You know, what are we going to – different looks? We gotta, obviously, we have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of length. It's going to be a tough matchup. But who is going to be the smarter team? Not only just use their talent, but use their brains and their smarts uh, to out, you know, figure out – to outbeat the other team, you know, to outfigure out the other team. Um, so it's going to be interesting in that sense. And I know Nick likes to throw – Monkey wrench is a lot of people's system and he has a lot of outside the box thinking he's a great coach and that's what's going to make it even more tougher. So um, we're going to, our job, me and George is to make the game easier for George and for Joel and James, you know, space the floor, set screens and figure out where the miss or where we, where we can get them mismatches, where we can get them in their spots and also find our spots. We have to make shots to keep the defense on us. So they can't keep continuing to double team. Um, if they do, we have to be able to win games for our team. We have to knock down the shots to be able to win games. We shot well enough in Toronto last time, but we didn't play enough defense or rebound. Biggest key for us is boxing out and keep them off the glass. And um, not let, obviously not letting those guys get hot, but if we just box them out. I think that'll help us a lot in, in getting defensive stops. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a hell of a series, man. They are long and athletic, and they have a, a big front court and back court. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what the playoffs are for. That's what it's, it's all about, man. It's this type of stage, this type of challenge is what we, this is what we want. Yeah, this is going to be a war. I mean, there's no, nothing else to it. I mean, people may look at our frontline talent and be like, oh, well, they're superior to, to them. But if Toronto's not shooting the ball well, the game starts when, when they shoot because they're going to the offensive glass and they're going to play extremely hard night in and night out. And ultimately, that gives you a chance every night. So like I said, we're going to have to to beat them and we're going to have to play good basketball. And uh Who's to say that, you know, we not, we're going to find a, a, something that is their Achilles heel and, and take them out, you know, but there's no, nothing to say that they aren't going to find our Achilles heel and take us out. 
it's a it's a game by game thing and honestly quarter by quarter because you know it only takes a quarter for a team to figure out another team and once they do it's all about adjustments after that so you just got to be ready to be ready to adjust and continue to fight. And, you know, like I said, it's the first of four. I am absolutely excited to see you guys work. George, you talked about how important the playoffs are. I think you have a great opportunity. Obviously, Danny, you have a great opportunity to get another ring. George, you can get your first one. Just promise me, if you do end up winning the whole kit and caboodle, George, when you do get your ring one day, you'll never show up in something like Danny did. In <laughs> Pull that off. Nah, George is definitely gonna show George. I can see you showing up with some some fire. You George definitely can because I wouldn't <laughs> I I wouldn't care what anybody said about me if I got that thing. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it, hopefully we do get there, man. But uh I had a what was it was a question I had H before you go ahead. Continue H what you wanted to say. I was gonna I was gonna tell him it's been a pleasure, but if you got another question, yeah, before we go, real that quick, man, man. I was gonna let that man get his dinner, whatever you yeah, know, watch a movie, shit, whatever I gotta eat whatever too. He, Harrison, you don't care about me eating dinner or much much you're, wor- you're working quick right. before working, we go, right. man. Real quick. <laughs> who are your league leaders in the categories? MVP, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, most improved, sixth man of the year, etc. Who do you got? And tell us why your MVP is your MVP. Because I'm assuming we would have the same MVP. Would we? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing. Uh, my my MVP is Joel Embiid. You know, the, the leap that he had to take uh, to lead this team um, and the numbers that he's put up uh, and dominating. He's a seven-foot, you know, you know, savant and someone that has the footwork of Kobe but can also give you the back-to-the-basket game like Shaq. Um, and then give you a little bit of Elijah on if, if you if you want. Um, there's no, it's not even close. You know, Joel Embiid has led our team. You know, and we would not be where we're at without him, which makes him you know the the most valuable player. And I think he's done a great job of 82 games or however many he's played of doing that consistently. They knocked him for missing games. He didn't miss games. They. Knocked him for, you know, not being consistent enough with, you know, scoring. He's has the most 40 and 10 games. So it's like, what is the criteria to give this guy the award? And um, um, there's no there's no argument. I mean, it's it's not it's he he's MVP. I agree. I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that he carried us with Ben being out and that most of the season we were a top three team. At one point we were a number one seed It was only for a couple hours, but we were two and three seed from a good amount of the season. Um, without, you know, that type of caliber player in the lineup until we got James. And James is only here until after All-Star. Uh, but for us to be in that seating, you know, with him and him also leading the league in scoring, first time a center's done it since Shaq, right, if I'm not mistaken, um, in like 20-some, mm-hmm. 20 years. Um, it's unbelievable. So, yes, that's the reason why he's my MVP. Um, obviously, you know, there's other teams that have been playing, playing well. Other guys have been playing well with some injuries and down, but, I don't think they're in the same seating as us with, with what we had out. So that's why I put him uh, at number one. Your rookie of the year, your defensive player of the year, six man of the year, and most improved. Uh, most improved. I'm going to go with another one on our team. I'm being biased. You know, Tyrese Maxey, I think the leap that, you know, he's taken is is unreal. I mean, the guy went from getting DNPs last year, coach's decision, to – now leading us to victories, you know, when guys are out with injuries, you know, scoring 30 points multiple times, 
um, the improvement that he's shown to be, you know, from a role player to a significant um, franchise piece. I think that allows him to be the most improved. I would say 43% from three this season. 43%. Yeah, that's elite. That's that's a usually tough. It's elite. Um, I, I I would have picked, and we had this debate early on. Um, Tyrese, of course, would be mine, and there's a couple others, but because it's it's one year, he's only his second year in the league. Doubt him he's again. Supposed to, doubt him he's, again. He's supposed he's supposed doubt. to improve. Yes, it, he's so supposed it's hard to improve to that. For me, I think I'll probably go with the ex team in mind, Dejounte Murray. Um, I'll probably go most improve. Oh, that's a good um, one. Had a hell of a year this year. Um, became an all star. And it was averaging like 20, 21, nine and eight or something like that, which is crazy. Um, they didn't make the playoffs, but they're in the play-in right now. So they might, you never know. Um, but he had an unbelievable year for defensive play of the year. That's tough for me. Um, because nobody really stood out to me, honestly. But um, Stop that. I mean, people say Crown Giannis, some people say Rudy Gobert. They were both very good defensively, but at the same time, I like to choose a guy that, you know what I'm saying, that guards all all positions, you know what I'm saying? Um, a guy that you can't target or you guy that you can't um, put in a certain lineup and it, he becomes a little bit, not say a non-factor, but his, his impact is not as great if you go small ball. Rudy's great. His impact is unbelievable. But if you go smaller, it's, it's tough for him. Um, Giannis said, I, I don't think he – always t- takes the, the, the number one matchup every night, um, which said most guys in this league don't. So it's hard to choose anybody, but I'm going to have to Mr. go between Bridges. those two. I Mikhail like, I like, I like him. I don't know about Demons player of the year. I like the other one as also a most improved. Um, Miles Bridges, he's in the conversation for me as most improved. Um, I think he also was one of the, the best players, most consistent players on that team in Charlotte. So, you know, I'm trying to think who else might have been an all-star snub. Six men a year, Tyler Hero. I think he might have got snubbed as an all-star as well. You know, they had um, their number one seed, and they had a lot of other guys with experience. Um, rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes for me. Um, I agree. I'm trying to think of who else. What else is on that list? George, what do you got for rookie of the year? What do you got for six men a year? I don't know. I'm kind of torn with uh, Cade Cunningham because I've seen him, you know, Grow play so, from the first beginning yeah, of the year preseason really well. we played him. He was not he was not that, but he has grown a lot since the beginning of the season since we first played him to when we last played him. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough. It could go either way. I'll probably go Cade Cunningham because I've seen him, you know, put some monster numbers up and uh I think he's he's had a solid year uh with not a lot of help. And and uh Scotty Barnes is playing alongside, you know, a savvy vet and, you know, Fred Van Vliet, you know, Pasco Siakam, um, you know, OG Ananobi, where Cade Cunningham is getting a lot of the defensive attention night in and night out and continuing to grow and produce. I think that's pretty impressive. Fair. Uh, Evan Mobley has been pretty tough too, uh, but we're going to let you get out of here. Toward that and injuries too hurt him. The injuries did, did hurt. It's not, and it's but not Rudy Gobert, be a defensive player of the year. There you go. Heard, heard that. And, and it's not a party foul for you guys to not say Doc Rivers because I personally, at least, it's got to be Taylor Jenkins. It has to be the way the Grizzlies jumped. The Grizzlies, yeah, the Grizzlies jumped from a playing team 
to the number two team in the West. And I'm, I mean, that, that leap without any free agent additions. That was my, that was my pick for sure. I was saying Memphis, regardless from Memphis, I was saying Memphis. And if not, Monty, I mean, Monty was there at the finals last year, but Memphis for sure. Uh, for me, he's got my coach of the year. Taylor's, and I've seen Taylor since he was, you know, G League, and he's done an amazing job. Also, I want to say Cleveland. The, you know, they had a hell of a season. Yeah, JB Brinkerstaff. They had Brinkerstaff, a hell yeah. of a season, man, up until after also until the injuries happened. They were three seed most of the year. Um, for them to take a team that was a non-playoff team and be a three seed for most of the year until the end, decided by three or four games and said injuries. Jared Allen was out. Um Evan Mobley was out. They had a couple guys be out. Uh, Ricky Rubio, ACL was gone, and, you know, they had to pick up Rondo. Those guys were balling. So, honestly, for me, it's either Cleveland or Memphis get the coach of the year, uh, Bickerstaff or Taylor. Those 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 two guys are, in my book, top. Sure. I can get down with that for sure. Solid picks, uh, George. This was fun. We're going to let you get out of here. Best of luck to you in the playoffs. Uh, as I as I Thank mentioned you. to Danny when I when I invited you when we said we wanted to get you on, I remember watching you at the Tilden School with Nerlens Noel and Wayne Selden and playing for BABC and playing against Andre Drummond and all those people like when you would go against in your AAU tournament. So to see you uh, here and in the NBA is great. Damn, I'm getting a flashback to you playing in the hoop group games. Oh, in one weekend. I remember that. I remember Harrison's that covered now. a lot of basketball like, in his years, man. So he knows a little bit of everything from five star to pro to football. Yes, OG. Yes, OG. I'm with the shit. He recognized games. He recognized games. I always thought you had the high IQ basketball game. And to see it flourish and get to where it is now, that is fire. I would be so happy to see you celebrate a championship with my guy, DG, at some point soon. Absolutely. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you guys for having me on the green room. I appreciate y'all, man. It's been awesome. Yes, sir. Don't make me beg to come on next time, please. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Niang Theory. Go check it out. Follow George on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. The Big Niang Theory. It has to be fired because this was this one was good. DG, you got anything else? Yes, sir. Read, rate, subscribe, review. We appreciate y'all, man. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please leave a five-star rating and give a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Inside the Green Room is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. Clifford Augustin is the producer and Marissa Rivez is the acting director for sports podcasts at SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.